0: No matter what the seasons of our life bring, Pastor Xavier Reese says, Take comfort. God knows the end from the beginning. The believer is to enjoy life much more than the non-believer, just by the
1: mere fact that he knows that all things come from God, even bad things. And if we will yield to him, knowing that his hand's upon us, he will turn those for good to the glory of God, Romans 8.28.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. This simple truth of Ecclesiastes twelve reminds us that the seasons we're handed in life, both the good and bad, are inevitable. And in today's Simple truth study, Pastor Xavier explains that still, God is able to make everything beautiful in its time from the perspective of our eternity. Let's pick up this message of hope, titled, The Seasons of Life.
1: Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. The title of the message is, The Seasons of Life. Solomon says three things about these seasonal events of life. First of all, the seasons are many, verses 1 through 8. Secondly, the seasons are in view of eternity, 9 through 13. And then third, the seasons are required by God, verses 14 and 15. The concluding question of Solomon of these observations as he was searching out through wisdom of the natural man regarding everything done under the sun by man was this. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? You see, some believe that Solomon is expressing here the philosophy of determinism, that all is pre-written and that there is nothing anyone can do regarding their life. And so they interpret it this way. See, time to die, None you can do. It's going to happen, happen. How many times you talk to people? You had the same philosophy. I had the same philosophy. Oh, well, what if if they, well, hey, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And it sounds like you're a real man of faith, huh? But all it is, you don't really care. (laughs) Solomon is not expressing predetermined determinism. That there's nothing you can do about life. God gave you a raw bag of goods and that's it. That's not what he's saying. This is the key concept behind Hinduism, karma. Karma is one's destiny uh, from the previous life, so that you don't intervene with that person's life here and now, lest you mess him up in the next life. That's why you go to India in Hinduism, and you see people being born on the street, people dying on the street, you see. I mean, just poverty. Why? Because nobody wants to get involved because you'll mess their karma up. Solomon is communicating what he observed in his quest for satisfaction and fulfillment without God, and he keeps on coming up with what? Emptiness, futility of all human experience apart from God. His question is once again, what is the benefit to man in these experiences of life and his labor? Now, the question ties both sections before and what follows. In, in chapter 2, verse 17 to 26, he's been talking about all the goods that he has, all that he's worked for, and he's going to leave him to some fool. He doesn't know he's going to be a fool or a wise man or appreciate it, right? So he ties the theme again to what benefit is all this? And if you look at life apart from God and you live long enough, you say, man, what's it all about? Just to be born here, try to grab a couple of automobiles, a couple of houses, a little bit of change, and then die and leave it to someone else? Whoa. Apart from God, that's a pretty sum total of things, isn't it? So he ties that preceding to what follows with the section that he's just discussed. Because he moves on from verse 9 to 15, he speaks about this prophet, he examines it in view of eternity. Notice secondly, verse 10 and first part of 11, the experiences of life apart from God are frustrating and a source of bitterness at times. If a person yields to God, then God makes everything beautiful in its time. Listen to him. I have seen the God given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The word beautiful means appropriate or good. Everything has its time, even for the non believer. Do you realize God wants the non believer to enjoy life? And that in enjoying life, they might recognize that the Creator has done this and they turn to Him. He says He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. But everything has its time. You take sex, wonderful, incredible, fun, in its time, in its context, in marriage. You take it outside of marriage, it's ugly. It's dirty, it's destructive, it's shameful, it's regretful, out of place. It indicates that if one responds in the right way to life situations in its appropriate time, then the person will receive that which is beneficial to the individual. Timing is everything. Have you heard that? Pretty good saying. Timing. The perfect time is be in step with God. Notice thirdly, the rest of verse 11. The experiences in life will cause men to think and consider eternity. The experiences in life will cause men to think and consider eternity. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no man can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Notice first, God has placed in man the concept of eternity. How? By conscience, Romans 2, 14 through 15. By conscience, we are without excuse. We're not smart enough to think or imagine God or eternity. (laughs) It's something that God has placed in us, and yet we don't understand completely. But it's enough to keep bugging us. You understand? (laughs) Not the ability to understand it completely. Not to ignore it, but to consider it in view of our brief existence. As you move on through life and you realize how brief your existence is, even the non-believer says, I wonder if there is something else. I wonder what happens after death. Now, when you're young, you know. When you get old, you're not sure. It's always amazing how many things we forget that we knew when we were young (laughs) as we move on in life. Not to ignore it, but to contemplate how the events of life will fit into eternity. If, in fact, there is eternity, if, in fact, there is a God, how will my life play out in eternity? How will it affect my eternity? Everybody thinks of that. And the person who says they don't, even in the world, they're liars, because God has placed eternity in the heart of man. God has allowed man to know that try as he may, he cannot find out the work that God does from the beginning in view of life's events. All the wisdom and the knowledge of God—they are beyond our finding out. Romans eleven thirty-three says, "How unsearchable are His ways!" Even the believer doesn't know everything, right? God is beyond us. He knows the end from the beginning. And often we can look back with hindsight and we say, oh, wow, God was there. He did this and that. But even when we're sure we understand what he did, we may be completely wrong. We can't understand. His ways are higher than the heavens. His thoughts beyond ours. Yet we do have glimpses and and ability to know a lot of different things, right? Which helps us and moves us along. Notice, fourthly, the concluding counsel of Solomon regarding man. Living apart from God. It was threefold in verse 12 and 13. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. First thing he says, that he should rejoice in life. Who? Man. He's talking about the non believer apart from God, right? Now we know that it includes us also. How much more? More so us. But man should rejoice in life. God wants the non believer to rejoice in life. God is not out there trying to make life miserable for the non believer. He loves the sinner. He sent a son for him. Secondly, he should do good in his life. Man has the ability to do good. He has the potential for good, but his bent is towards evil. His need is of God. So he can do good because his bent is towards evil. And then thirdly, he should enjoy the work of his labor for it is a gift of God. Are you working and working and working and just putting everything away and never enjoying any of it? I hope not. Now, is Solomon telling us that if you make $100 this week, did you spend $100? That's not what he's saying. Is he saying don't save? He's not saying that. In view of what he said before, we must understand it. He's saying that a person who is constantly working and putting away for whatever the reason may be, you know, and then they die, it's kind of a shame. He says men should enjoy the fruit of their labor. Nothing wrong with that. Once a man fell down the cliff as he was walking down this path, and he managed to grab a hold of this plant, and he was hanging there, and he's calling out, "Is anyone up there?" For a long time, nobody answers. After a while, a voice said, "Let go!" <laughs> he yells again, "Is anyone up there?" He says, "Let go!" He couldn't believe what he was hearing. So after a while, he says, "Is there anyone else up there?" The voice was the voice of God who knew that if he would let go, there was only but feet between him and the ground below. What a picture of us at times. Certainly of man without God. But even of Christians who God is saying, trust me. And we're saying, is there anyone else up there? Obey me. Is there anyone else up there? I want you to forgive and take the cost. Endure it. Is there anyone else up there? God knows the end from the beginning. Do you? I certainly don't. The events of life are not some predetermined succession of events in which God violates our will or desires to crush us, but on the contrary, to have us yield to his love and align ourselves with the will of God. This was Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, that we might come to know the height, the depth, the width of God's love that passes all understanding. We look to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Colossians 1 9 through 12 says that we, God's will is that we would be strengthened in the power of his might, that we might walk according to his will. Be thankful. That's important. The believer is God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 10 says, the word there for handiwork or workmanship, whichever your translation has, it's the word that we get poem out of it. Now, you are God's poem to the world. What in the world are you communicating? What is the message that they read from you? Did they read that you're a fatalist? A cynic? One who believes in determinism? Or hope? Hope? Which one is it? The concept of eternity is argued by many today, yet none will argue the second after death. They will know. They will experience eternity as a reality, either with Christ or apart from Christ. The believer is to enjoy life much more than the non believer, just by the mere fact that he knows that all things come from God, even bad things, those that God allows. And if we will yield to him, knowing that his hands upon us, he will turn those for good to the glory of God, Romans eight twenty eight declares. Now, I need to learn that scripture right now when things are going good. I need to learn Romans eight twenty eight right now when things are going good. So when they become bad, I can embrace it. If you wait to learn that scripture when things are bad, you won't like it at all. The seasons of life are to be viewed in terms of eternity. Now, third, and it's real short, the seasons are required by God. Verses 14 and 15. Notice first in verse 14. The things that God does in the life of man is to reveal Himself. That's why He does the things He does, to reveal Himself. He says, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it that men should fear before Him. Notice first, God is perfect and His works shall stand forever without any injustice or bias. Nothing can be added to it nor nothing can be taken away. God is holy and He cannot violate His holiness, otherwise He would cease to be God. You and I may not understand many things, but we know that God is holy. And though things may not make sense to me, God will require my proper response in that day. He will take no excuse. Well, you don't understand it was my wife, I was a victim, and you know this and that. If she wouldn't have said this, I wouldn't have done that. No, 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 none of that's going to work. God is all knowing. He cannot learn anything or make mistakes. Does that shock you? <laughs> I'm still learning. I am amazed of how much I'm learning in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm excited every time I want to get up here. Boy, I, just, I say this about every book, but it just keeps going. <laughs> it keeps going. God is all present. He sees all things. Nothing passes him by. He's aware of everything. Gabriel has never gone up to God and says, Lord, do you know... God is all-powerful. No one can stop him or oppose him. Notice God uses his works, secondly, for the purpose of placing in man's heart, what? The fear of God. His works are the practical evidence of his existence. Jesus says, for which of these works do you stone me? His works are his signature in history, his story. His signature. His works are to draw men to Him. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 9. The basic foundation and the very first step, the fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Most High. Now notice secondly in verse 15, the things that God allows to come into man's life will one day be required of him. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. The present with God is really the past. The future has already taken place, and the past things of man's life will be accounted for by God. What is he describing in this verse? Eternity. God's eternity is an eternal present. He can see your birth, your death, your conversion, your tragedy, your happiness, and a trillion years into the kingdom age, and they're all present. Now, that's a neat quality to have as God. You and I don't have that. He does. Here, He's describing eternity, and He requires everything at that day. The IRS should teach us all that though some appear to get away and not paying their income tax, that sooner or later they get caught, right? Well, God is in no hurry to have you give an account of your life, yet one day he will have you and myself give account of our life. Absolutely. Now, the sins of our youth are enough to scare the living daylights out of us. Anybody here would dare to say that they would take their chances just if it was just their youth they had to get count of? <laughs> I don't think so. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Ooh, think of God, young people, and think hard. You one day will look like me old and it won't be long you know when I was 18 I thought 30 was ancient then I became 30 and didn't look that bad (laughs) the older I get the better I think it looks In verses 13 and 14 of the same chapter, he says, Let us consider the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. None will escape. The life of a person apart from God is a most lost life. They will not escape the white throne judgment in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. The sea gave up the dead, hell gave up the dead, and they were all judged out of the books. The second death. None will escape. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, Hebrews 10, 31. That's why Paul says, we persuade men, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade people to repent before it's too late. God will not be able to be blamed for any of our sins or shortcomings for he cannot tempt any man with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man and woman is carried away with his own lust, own desire, and then brought into sin. First Corinthians 10, 13. When you and I stand before God, the non-believer will not be able to accuse himself, and the Christian will not be able to say, well, you know, Lord, if you wouldn't have given me that woman, or if you wouldn't have given me that jerk of a husband, no, none of that's going to work. It's going to be you and God. I and God. Nobody else. God will one day reward all believers, but the reality of it is that many will lose much reward. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, speaks about the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, where we will all have to go before to give an account of our lives. And we're going to put all our works on the belt, and they're going to go through there, and it'll be either hay, wood, stubble, or, or silver, gold, precious stone. And that which is consumable will be crispy critter. And that that can be transformed into a permanent value, that will be silver, gold, and precious stone. But what is the test of that word? It is simply one word, agape love, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. God is not going to ask you, how much money did you give? He's going to say this, how and why did you give it? He's not going to say, how many Sundays did you serve in the Sunday school? He's going to say, why and how did you do it? And all the people that are into what they did will have crispy critters. And all the people that are in for why and how they did it in love are going to come out with silver, gold, and precious stone. That's the reality of it, people. The seasons of life will be required by God of every man and woman and child, believer and non-believer alike. Solomon has expressed some of the seasonal events of life that are unexplainable to the person who lives apart from God. And sometimes it just makes their life miserable. The three things he has told us about these seasonal events of life is that, first of all, the seasons are many. Mark it well. Secondly, the seasons are in view of eternity. Never forget that. And thirdly, the seasons are required by God. One day. God give us wisdom and teach us to number our days.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us of God's eternal perspective as we navigate the seasons of life. Important simple truths from Solomon and the book of Ecclesiastes. Hear this message again, anytime, by way of the radio listings link at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. It's titled, The Seasons of Life and is also available on CD for just $4. Everything we shared last time will be included as well. So it makes a convenient way to study the message more in depth at your own pace. So the title to ask for once more is The Seasons of Life or simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California 91107. Or to make your request by phone Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of our broadcast ministry. And then join Pastor Xavier Reese for more Simple Truths next time right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com